Happy New Music Podcast, New Music Podcast, New Music. It's the wrong podcast, isn't it? That's New Music Podcast. Yeah, great start. That is a really, even by the Herney standards of incompetence, that is up there. Starting the show with the wrong Welcome brand. Welcome to the Derby. That's like Anton Deck starting Saturday Night Takeaway with Welcome to BBC One. That's, that's correct, right? Uh, Greg James, you're listening uh, to the Capital oh, Breakfast Show. Mr. Mark. Was it, was it one, one Direction did that once? I think they thanked Radio One at the Brit. Yeah, that was the classic... It, and Capital threw their toys out of the pram and wouldn't play them for like a year before they're like, yeah, you're the biggest to. pop band in the world. Yeah. We kind of have to. Yeah, I wonder if Harry Styles still loses sleep about that. Probably not. Yeah. But I mean, this is the home of cutting edge music insight. So talking about 2014's uh, Brit Awards mm. scandals. Maybe we could there. NFT it. What can chat about today? <laughs> it, 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 do you know what? In sport NFTs, there's been a big thing about, you know, getting the slam dunks, the scores, et cetera, et cetera, particularly for high-profile games or high-profile people. So the moment Harry <laughs> name-checked the wrong station, there probably is a, a radio geek somewhere <laughs> who learnt about Bitcoin in 2012 and so has now become a bazillionaire mm. on the down low um, while still getting mocked by 16-year-olds as he walks to Costa. Um Bring back any memories. I wonder, uh, it's Costa uh, order. That is. person probably would play a few, play a few East for uh, Harry Styles. It feels like it's not going to be too long until Harry Styles does release an NFT. He feels like the kind of artist I could see. I don't know, like he'd buy a flower patch, which is associated to a song lyric, what? and then that was the NFT or something like that. I can see that. One of the things we've talked about a little bit, and I think we're going to talk about more, whether it's today or future shows, is the almost nervous reaction of established mm. artists and the kind of risk reward ratio. One of the things is one of the many reasons why we think this is worth paying attention to yeah. as a artist at the start of your career is the risk rewards really good. Yeah. Whereas if you're Dewa or Harry and you're already making bazillions, yeah. do, you, do you, do you need any more? And what if it doesn't work? Yeah. I mean, so the risk reward is not we, as good. We've so talked about this, haven't we? There's, a, as many. there's some of the bigger artists, uh, not like humongous artists, but bigger like Rock City sellout level touring artists that have done NFTs over the past kind of six months or so. Some have like gone down with the fan base really well, but some have not, especially like if they're not partnering with a platform that's like, I don't know, on it like Serenade and on it when it comes to like the... Uh, not economical, what's the word? The environment, environmentally well, friendly stuff. Environment, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a huge... So, uh, why risk it? Exactly. But we are talking about why it could we be low do. risk, high reward, as you say, later in the show. Yeah, but that's later in the show. So, we're going to talk... So, what are we starting? What are we starting today, with? we're going to talk about every musician's favourite platform, Spotify, uh, and some of the... Uh, <laughs> some of the... They've basically released a lot of... Uh, data, which once you dig into it, has some interesting, valuable insights for musicians. We think, as we were talking about our kind of you know initial chats pre pre record. Um, and this loud, is it loud and clear? Yes. Yeah, well, there's there's we think there's two things we might talk about. Uh, loud and clear is one of them, which their hint is in the name. Their supposedly transparent breakdown of where the money is coming in from. 
Why supposedly? Well, I say it's just because so many people online will go. I mean, it's very transparent. Well, it's so like, many people hey? online will go, yeah, but you're buying a football club, so you can't be that transparent. And I, I, I'm not saying that's my opinion, but like, well, this is my entire point and why we're going to talk about it and why it's a good thing. But there are many people that think that platform is the devil and is like doing all sorts of shady stuff. So they i don't oh, so they think they're lying yeah, and well i i don't really know the minds of some of these people Mark. that's kind of my point we're here to try and help musicians that are open to just looking at facts and things that are actually useful rather than just hype and gossip but uh yeah yeah that was more just the uh they are at the level of platform where no matter what they do even if it was like save thousands of i don't know refugees or something they still somehow get into some kind of trouble um so i think yeah we're going to look at their... You're saying there are people who hate Spotify so much that if they decided to save... If they decided to house for free 50,000 Ukrainian refugees, mm. there would be people who would still hate Speaking them. as a Ukrainian, I think that is potentially the, uh, the official <laughs> Ukrainian spokesperson of this I'm not, By the way, Sam is Ukrainian. Yeah. Sam is genuinely Ukrainian. Uh, um, um, he's no, not, not just being Tom no, no, no. Uh Yeah. But he really has milked it for the last six weeks. Uh, but yeah, genuinely, I, yeah, it's, I mean, it's part of the reason I do find a platform so fascinating. Obviously, we often talk about the pros of it as a musician and the pros of it as a musician at the start of your career. What can you benefit from it? The reach and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, in the classic, yeah. there is genuinely a chance that it is the most, I don't know, unfairly treated music platform, let's say. Not necessarily the most hated, but most hated for some of the benefits you can get. Anyway, we're going to talk about value. That's something we're going to talk about okay, not... in five minutes and what we can learn from this and most importantly. Yeah, well, we, we, don't, we don't care about big corporations. We care about musicians, exactly. particularly ones at the start of their yeah. career. But not to the extent that we're going to delude. Correct. We'll be, well, that's why we look I guess data. every now and again, there needs to be a little bit of, every now and again, there needs to be a little bit of tough love. Tough... Well, we talked about this, didn't, it? Yeah, it didn't I'm going to assert very strongly, I do not think Spotify are lying about their stats. And there's a very simple reason. Spotify's made quite a few people quite rich. <laughs> and they have legal responsibilities as a um, proper stock exchange listed company, which they could be held legally accountable for if they lied. No, 100%. And I agree with you. Why would you risk I 100% agree with you. My point more is like, it was only a few years ago that Spotify Sorry. recently started being in profit, wasn't it? We talked about this. Like People were going, oh, Spotify's like, unfairly paying people when it wasn't even in profit for like the first 10 years of it existing. Um, and then whenever you told someone that was complaining that's about that's normal. That's normal. That's normal for growing businesses at the start in the, in the, you know, there are lots of crazy stats out there that, about, you know, the average business takes six years before it breaks even kind yeah. of thing. And only 15% of businesses get to five or six years. Yeah. Um, uh, and anyway, that's probably, that's probably for a more business orientated podcast than the new podcast. business podcast. Um, we, we have in a very rambly way. said there are two pieces of Spotify insight. We want to draw attention mm. to one, which has already had quite a lot of PR, mm. which is the loud and clear thing. Yeah. And therefore we're probably going to acknowledge that, but not spend too much time yeah. on it because there's been this slightly lesser known release of, in, of data. And we think there are insights in there that are actually immediate and actionable yeah, correct. for musicians at the start of the career. So because that's what we care about, 
um, rather than geeking out on charts and pie charts and graphs. Um, We're going to focus on that. Correct. Um, I think you uh, are going to take the lead on that. I am. And I guess just to let the lovely listener know as well, later in the show, we've got some official from the horse's mouth how to smash Instagram advice as well. So that's that's upcoming folks. Um, And then lots of sexy Web3 multimillionaire stuff coming soon too um okay so spotify insights that you can actually do something yep. with instagram insights you can do something yep. with and then really 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 confusing you uh with uh the latest in the nft web3 disco verse but for now spotify oi oi um so yeah as you pre-sold about two minutes ago two big pieces of data sexy uh, data because Spotify loves a good pretty uh, infographic uh, but it's been released over the past few weeks and we'll talk about Loud and Clear first just because as you said that's already had a decent amount of media coverage um, and there's lots of good explainer articles out there if, people, if the people listening to the show are, are actually interested in seeing the data and what it really means uh, but yeah Loud and Clear is Spotify's kind of name for its transparency data for lack of a better phrase which is about how much money they're earning, where the money is going, how it's being split between everyone from songwriters to performers to remixes and everything in between, uh, which is obviously one of the uh, hot topics when it comes to streaming services more generally, um, is how is it being distributed? How is the money that's being earned from subscription fees being distributed? Um, So that is the brand that Spotify uses. It's Spotify Loud and Clear, and they've used it They've done it for a few years, I think, now. I definitely remember seeing it last year on a pretty sure the year before. Mm. Um, they, yeah, I think it's quite new. It definitely happened last year as well. One or two years. One or two years. Okay. Well, I definitely remember reading it this time last year. Um, That's covered by one or two years. <laughs> That's true. I mean, there's an interesting one-liner here. It is data storytelling is uh, actually the one-liner in the press pack. Data storytelling. Um but there's a few things in here that are interesting. One we kind of hinted at five minutes ago, which is the amount of money that Spotify makes and also how much of it actually goes back into uh, the musician's pocket themselves. So just for context, some of the crazy numbers that are in here for anyone that does want to uh, shit on Spotify. Uh, I love the, I love these this breakdown of stats. Se- 718,000 songs have over 1 million streams on the platform. Um, just as a reminder, okay. the rough breakdown. Why does that make you defecate on Spotify? What do you mean? What's well, just how you introduced Why is that stat bad? No, I didn't say it was bad. I said the opposite. Or, I, I or... said it was really good. You said if you want to shit on Spotify. Oh, no, no. no I said for the people that do want to shit on Spotify, here's why you shouldn't be shitting on Spotify because they're, oh, like, okay. there's good stuff in there. Sorry, that's what I meant. No, I was saying any Spotify hater is hard okay, to argue with you. data. Sorry, that's what I meant. Um, well, we can have a, we can go back later and watch this woo-hoo! and work out whether was, you were a muppet or I was a muppet. But one of us is going to look like a oh, muppet. We love now. It. Don't we love recording everything? Thanks, Riverside. Muppet fest. Um, so in here, streaming numbers in context: seven hundred and eighteen thousand songs have over one million streams on the platform. One hundred and two thousand have over ten million streams. Nine thousand songs have over one hundred million streams. And 230 songs 
have over 1 billion streams. So they're the big numbers and a reminder. And 228 of those are by Ed Sheeran, yeah? <laughs> Probably. I can't remember who the first one was. I know my favorites, the Chainsmokers, with their closer, they were one of the first to reach the billion club on Spotify. I definitely remember that. I don't know if they were the very yeah. first. Um, but uh, a reminder to our listener, that obviously varies, but roughly speaking, before it gets uh, taxed and sent to everyone that worked on the song and whatever split you agreed beforehand from songwriter to producer, session musicians, and everyone in between, a million streams is roughly about three and a half thousand. Uh, sorry, three and a half thousand dollars for every million streams. Four thousand dollars for a million. Yeah. Um, so obviously those numbers, that's a lot of money. I'll let you do the math. Um, but one of the things that was really interesting from this uh, data, I think, is, again, one of their one-liners is the pathways to success are much more diverse than your average uh, person might expect there to be from using Spotify as your main platform. So here's a few interesting one-liners. In Spotify's view, the fact that 50,000 artists are generating at least $10,000 a year just from Spotify alone, and that will mean, I don't know how they've worked this mess out, but they go, for the average artist that's making $10,000 from Spotify, that will mean they're making on average $40,000 from recording. They don't explain what that means, but I think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, Point one, they've, they've worked it out in proportion to how important Spotify is compared to other revenues, yeah. and then they've added it up. So that's not that difficult to do if you've got well-paid researchers. They will know what a, if you earn $10,000 on average from Spotify, that will mean you're earning this much from Apple Music, this much from Tidal. Yeah. On average, you have this. Okay, cetera, well, here's one that our, our listeners um, can hopefully relate to. 72,000 DIY artists, which I think is their way of saying unsigned, 72,000 artists in 2021 generated an average of $15,000 from Spotify. So just alone, that's obviously, it's not quite a living wage, but it's you know a decent amount of money for a DIY artist, and there's a lot of them there. So that's one of the benchmarks Spotify is working with. Um, and they'll be keeping a much more of it because they're not sharing it with a label. Correct, and that, that's the point that I think they're trying to make there with that DIY yeah. one-liner. Um, but yeah, there is... if. If any of our listeners are interesting, if they search Spotify loud and clear, one of the top things that comes up is an article from Music Ally, uh, which is quite an interesting brand name because that's basically what TikTok used to be called before it rebranded. Uh, but it's Music Ally. Uh, and yeah, when you search Spotify loud and clear, it's like the second thing that comes up. And it's a really good overview. It breaks down the data in quite an accessible way. Uh, and it kind of takes out the things that are relevant to you as a musician and some, some of the really interesting numbers. So. If you fancy a gander listener, get your Google on and your Spotify on and your Music Ally on. Um, and that's the article we weren't going to talk about much. Yeah, I only spent seven minutes on it. That's no any record. Um, and then, yeah, the other one, which is arguably the more interesting one, is uh, the slightly less sexy name, Spotify for Artist Fan Study. Um, and it is, again, kind of what it says on the title. It is Spotify's looking at the fans, the fan behavior and fan insights of a bunch of the biggest artists on the platform and what you can hopefully learn from it. Um, and again, some of the things on here, which I think are potentially quite interesting for our audience. They basically say one of the fast tracks to growing your audience is international collaboration. Like they say, one of the easiest ways to build, it's obviously not a revolutionary concept to 
do a collaboration just in the same way it's not a revolutionary idea to do a gig swap because you then get the audience of whoever the other artist is um it's the equivalent of a gig swap yeah almost. it's a streaming gig swap but the idea of a gig swap is to tap into someone else's fan base in another geographical area well here's and uh, yeah, exactly and here's the one-liner spot spotify's got this one-liner of almost 84 percent of streams on international collaborations come from outside of the main artist's country so again do the math there but if that was not a collaboration and you were relying on your general audience in your home country that's basically four times as many people listening to your tunes um so that's interesting they talk a lot about super fans um obviously we talk we'll talk about this later in the context of thousand fans and community and all those kind of buzzwords that often come around this this web three stuff we talk about but they talk a lot about the importance of super fans and uh if you were thinking about targeting anywhere kids spotify shares the best super fans definition most committed highest amount of streams per super fan uh come from germany and south korea so if you needed somewhere to put your targeted advertising on uh whether that's your instagram targeted advertising or your Spotify targeted advertising send it up to germany send it to south korea uh they are i quote 63 percent higher uh dedicated fans so that's higher listening rate and 46 percent higher in south korea than the average super fan so you know big up our germans big up our south koreans so i do one of my translations of samlish and do a little summary yeah, yeah. Go, go for it whilst i try and find this time okay so some spotify insights that are hopefully immediately useful for artists at the start of the career. Everyone's talking about the um, loud and clear thing at the moment, mm. which is ultimately a geek fest in stats. Things mm. that are actually useful, Spotify and survey, and some of the quirky stroke obvious, some might say, insights they found. Slight, close to obvious, if you're gonna do a collaboration, do a collaboration with an artist abroad because that is mutually beneficial for both of you and helps you start to build your fan base in that other country. A little bit like a gig swap in the old days. It's basically a way of building your audience in a new geographical area. And the quirky insights are the most passionate, arguably super fans are in Germany, South Korea. So you could say it's really clever, stroke really cynical. When you're doing your targeted marketing, try and do it in Germany and South Korea to tap into those super fans. And another insight I think was in there that the most viral fans, by which I don't mean they've got diseases, I mean they share the most, that country was Thailand. So that's Correct. another country that is worth uh, targeting um, with your, your paid marketing because Spotify's data shows that they love to share songs that they're passionate about. Correct, and that's, as you pointed out, the, in terms of an actionable thing you can do there is even if you're putting small amounts of money into target promotion, and it doesn't even have to be what you might call old school paid promotion in terms of you're chucking 50 quid at a sponsor post or something it's just you know if you've got a press if you've got a day where you're going to work out which press you want to reach out to to you know debut your single at could you get a premiere a single premiere music video premiere whatever it might be in a big press outlet in one of those countries that uh you just referenced have big super fan bases in and stuff like that it's like how can you take this Spotify-lish and turn it into your super fan master plan almost. But yeah, just for our listeners, if they want to learn more, Spotify Loud and Clear was the first one, and the second one is Spotify Fan Study. I think we can move on to more sexy data from our favourite robot man. 
Ram, 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 ram. Zuckerberg or Instaberg. That's a better name, Instaberg. He should rebrand. My Churchill dog who's into social media. I'm about to see it. Uh, so this, this got me really excited. I know a lot of things get me really excited, but was so many people won the magic, like insights, the magic strategy, the magic five minute YouTube video on how to get good at social media, specifically uh, Instagram or TikTok. Well, Instagram, they've always been pretty good. I want to be fair to them. Instagram have always been pretty good at sharing like insights on how the algorithm works and things you should be doing, good practices to like help boost your Instagram, whatever it is you're trying to do, whether it's engagement, followers, whatever maybe. Instagram about three weeks ago came out and went, yo, we're going to make a hub, a whole hub for creators on Instagram and basically tell you how to be good at Instagram. So in short, Instagram have made a page full of videos, full of people, relatable people as well, talking about how to be good at Instagram. Now it goes through all sorts of different uh, kind of angles on it. There's almost the more philosophical stuff about like knowing your why and knowing what you're trying to sell and how you can communicate, all that kind of stuff. There's a bunch of stuff about algorithms and kind of more practical points, which is some of the stuff I'm going to talk about in a minute. Um, and then there's just stuff like, there's actually a really, not, a really nicely done kind of mental health section, like how to avoid burnout on Instagram and the tools that they have like in-app to make sure you don't spend five hours scrolling every day and all that kind of stuff. So all of that in one place, uh, we'll obviously put the link in the bio, but it's called the Instagram Creator Lab. That's the brand they've got for it. Um, and then, yeah, once you go on there, they have these different sections. They have the express yourself section. They have the build community section. They have the grow long-term section. Uh, and then they have these kind of breakdowns of all of the creators that are doing these videos, like they share their story and what you can learn from that story, basically. Um, and I guess the key thing is in a lot of social media, like advice videos and stuff that you find online or courses, they're just really not relatable people. They're people you don't want to learn from, whether it's because they're unlikable, non-relatable, this is a bunch of different people, different genders, different ethnicity, different ages, all with like their own stories and what you can learn from it. Anyway, jumping into the actionable stuff, the one that I think if, if our listeners are only gonna watch one, there's one called Busting the Algorithm Myths uh, or something to that effect. Uh, and that's the classic thing we have, especially in like, you know, when we go, what do you want help on? People are always like, Oh, the algorithm's so hard. Sam, Mark, can you help me with the algorithm? Oh, the algorithm. Um, and the short answer is no, uh, because most algorithms aren't evil. Most algorithms actually exist to give the user, the fan, the best experience. And translated, that means it wants your listener, your fan, to see the things that they think they're most going to want to see. Right? Um, so the, this video opens first with a very, very good point that I don't think enough enough people think about, which is there isn't an out, a single algorithm in the, on an app like uh, Instagram. There's multiple. There's multiple algorithms, both quite literally for the different parts of Instagram. So on Instagram, that's Instagram posts, Instagram reels, Instagram video, even stories has its own algorithm. But then even within that, you can kind of break it down to the, they've got this one liner, which I really liked, which is, Basically, all the algorithms work off who, what, and when. Uh, and then, obviously, it's a bunch of robot code that kind of pieces that all together to work out what your <coughs> final lesson wants to see. But basically, this video will break it down better than I'm going to. But if you go off there, that will tell you. That really? Will, I, you think the professional video from Instagram will do it slightly better <laughs> than you? I'm not sure it's possible. Think, but can yeah, we just um, we, this, we need a sound well, effect now, Sam, because that was something yeah. rarer 
than whatever the world's closest to being extinct Eagle is. That was a piece of Sam humility. Hashtag herny humility. Um, Zen the herny. Anyway, go and watch it because it's great. Instagram are slightly better than Sam at telling you how to use Instagram. Sometimes. I think is where we're at. The thing that I thought was really useful when we're having these conversations with musicians and they often ask about the algorithm and then we go stop blaming the algorithm, just make better content. They're like, oh, I've been shadow banned. No one sees my stuff and blah, 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 Is there's a lot of myths around certain things. It's like, oh, if you do this, no one will see your post. Or if you do this, it will stop being pushed out and blah, 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 blah. If I hear the word shadow ban one more time, I'm going to cry. Don't make me cry. Uh, but there's a few things in so, here that he's going to... Are you saying that um, if something's not working... Hmm. Some of us sort of jump to the I've been shadowed ban conclusion mm. rather than facing the tough love that no, what you're doing just isn't effective. Yeah. I mean, that's my short okay. one liner to most, most, not just musicians, just artists, just people on that, social media. It reminds me like... of some friends on, on dating apps. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I must have been shadow banned. But no, but genuinely, here's the thing this, this isn't the most, uh, I don't know, this isn't the most. God, what, what am I trying to say? Point I was going to make, I said this the other day and I thought it was a really good example. It's like, people go, oh, I've been shadow banned when, and they don't want to believe, they, they don't want to believe Sounds that bad. they can't. I thought of this the other day and I thought it was awesome. People don't want to believe that their content isn't resonating, right? They want to come up with every excuse and listen. There is a yep. reason why an attractive girl in that the TV will always get lots and lots of likes, right? No matter, it's why it's almost a little bit of a hack for uh, people of a certain type to be able to boost their algorithms again. It's because they know it's always going to work. Yeah. Even if that was a shadow man person, if they did that, pretty high likelihood, I would bring it back up. And that's why there is this broader conversation about the patriarchy and why that's a terrible thing. But in this particular circumstance that we're talking about, it's a very good example of it oh. doesn't really matter if there, there is almost no such thing as shadow banning. Other platforms have done it. But on these big platforms around that we're talking about Instagram, it just doesn't happen. You are just not making content that is resonating with your audience and your or the algorithms have decided that. So And the patriarchy don't look good in bikinis. They do not, sadly. Um so a few that. things, a few myths that were busted in this video that I thought was really good to have on record was there's always been this myth of if you edit a caption of a photo after you've posted it, the algorithm will stop pushing it out. Like if you made a typo or something, you go back into it. There's always been this myth that that will stop it being pushed out. So that is not, uh, that is fine. Basically, Instagram said on record, you can do that. You don't need to worry about it. Um, the, here's a really interesting one because I wasn't even expecting this. Deleting a photo and reposting it is fine. So there are always, always these myths, which to some degree I believe, because it would make sense that, you know, the algorithms and the technology can tell what file you've uploaded or what was in the file. And therefore, if you did repost something, especially within a short period of time, why would the algorithm check out again? Because it knows it's gone out there. It doesn't want to feed the uh, your, your followers and the audience that. But they have said on record, reposting a photo, even if you posted it yesterday in theory, it gets that same chance again to go out to the world, to go out to the algorithm, and if people engage with it, it will receive the same treatment in the algorithm. It will still get pushed out. Um, so there could, there could. Could we clarify there, please? 
Because mm. that initially sounded like you were saying um, if you make a mistake and you delete it and you repost it within one or two minutes having realized it. Oh, no. You're talking about if you posted a photo that was successful three months ago, yeah. you can delete it and do it again to try and get some more of that juice. Correct, yeah. And this that's the... Promo juice. Yeah, I mean, there's almost been, again, it's a myth that's been around for ages is that, yeah, the technology would work out that that photo's already been uploaded and then stop pushing that uh, photo out. It wouldn't give it a fair chance, but they've said on record yep. that it is fine. You can do it. Who did um, that, Asam? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not posting content for 2016. There is actually something really, really useful in that insight because one of the biggest pieces of feedback I think we get from musicians is, I want to be a musician, not a social mm. media professional. And this takes yep. a lot of time and effort. So what you're actually saying there is you can recycle content, not only without being um, uh, penalized by Instagram, but you could actually get the same reward again. So suddenly, mm. if they do that content day and get as much content as possible from it, they can now milk it even more because they can repost material they've used successfully. Yeah. And that actually also means tested and worked out what works yeah. and then do the things that are going to work. So lurking in that insight is, is some, are a couple of things that are really, really useful for musicians in terms of helping them spend two and a half less hours on Instagram in a week and helping them work out and then capitalize on the things that worked. Correct. And I think that, I mean, there's, all of these insights just come down to the classic, if you make good content, it w it should in theory connect no matter what. That's almost what this video was kind of kind of saying is like yeah. ultimately even if you've already done it. Correct. Ultimately, algorithms exist to push content out to the people they think want to see it, and then if those initial people react positively to it, it pushes it out to more people. That's how a piece of content becomes viral. So, in it, again, this video makes complete sense as much as it's really good to have on record the fact that myths that have been around for ages are officially like myth busted. Um, but yeah, is one thing we try really really hard to communicate to musicians you're right they don't want to be social media professionals that's why a lot of the time they come up with excuses for why things didn't work well when ultimately sometimes it is just about making good content and you mentioned the thing i talk about on every one of these shows because i really do think it is such a good way to take advantage what well, the opposite save time is doing content days like it you don't have to spend 10 15 hours a week making content you can spend one day a month and rinse it as long as you probably do another day of planning it. Um, so do your content days, kids. They're good for you. Eat your vegetables. Yeah. Um, so uh, final bits that we're in here in this one, two and a half minute video. So again, there's like 30 videos on this thing. And this is all just taken from one of these videos. Um, yeah. Tagging other accounts. It kind of, this is a bit self-explanatory, but people often go, oh no, if I tag other accounts in my photos, then people will click on their account and they'll click off mine and therefore they won't show me any love. That side note, something I do often say, you don't want to tag any accounts in your Instagram bio because if you've managed to get someone to your Instagram profile, they might then click off. But you can tag as many people as you want, I think up to 20 per post on Instagram. And ultimately the algorithm's then gonna push your post out to people in the network of the people that you've tagged there. So tagging people in individual posts in reels in anything you put out to the world through your instagram is only going to help and again instagram have now confirmed that on record you're not going to be penalized for tagging too many people which is a common myth that's gone around 
Uh, and I, uh, I did enjoy this last point uh, in this video, which is quite simply, look at your insights. If you are a creator account, if you're a business account on Instagram, which is really easy to do, uh, if someone listening wants to do it, I mean, Google it, but it really is self-explanatory. It is as simple as going into your settings and pressing about three buttons. Um, <laughs> Instagram gives you really detailed insights. It tells you where your fans are from. It tells you where their ages, their gender, uh, it tells you what hours of which day they're most online and not just that that's about your audience, but you can actually look at your specific posts. You can look at your specific videos, photos, whatever, and you can see which one's got the most likes. You can see which one's got the most comments, shares, saves all the kind of key tricks that you have on Instagram and just have a session where you once a month where you sit down and learn from that. Like do your, all of your most engaged posts when it's you talking to the camera. Are all of your most engaged posts when it's you playing music and not talking to the camera because you're useless at talking to the camera. There are many things that you can learn from looking at these insights. And just like everyone in 21st century, we get so caught up in doing the next thing. We sometimes don't think long enough to sit down, reflect, and actually make our lives so much easier in the future by just learning from what we've already done, potentially spent money on. So that 15 minute segment was all pulled from one two and a half minute video. So go into Instagram's yeah. Creator Lab Kids because uh, there are, as I said, it really is good. Instagram has really pulled through there. Like it, these platforms have been waiting for something like this. And I think Instagram has smashed it personally. So you could not just learn how to do Instagram well through this thing. You could actually learn quite a few thoughts for your creative business from it as well. Because like I say, it touches on learning your why and learning how to communicate with different audiences and all that kind of stuff. So pick up Instagram, we'll put a link in the bio. I'm going to drink some water because I'm dehydrated after that. Mark. After that, as in after you just going on and on and on and on and on and on and on about social. On and on and on and on. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of Insta. It's NFT Bitcoin Web3 Disco verse time. Well, in the NFT Web3 Bitcoin Disco verse, I've certainly tried, and I think we have tried more generally in this podcast to focus wherever possible on examples that are as precise as possible, uh, as immediate as possible, and as relatable as possible. So you don't go, oh, so-and-so with 57 bazillion followers and Insta's just done this. Why don't you do it, musicians with 202 followers? Yeah. And we, I try and avoid going, um, you know, this already really famous rich artist has done this and this other really famous rich artist has done yeah, this. Yeah. And as that we actually had hinted at earlier or mentioned earlier and have hinted at across across the No Music podcast is I actually think in this world unsigned artists artists at the start of their career have quite a few advantages. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna start by sharing a precise, immediate, score slightly less well on relatability example. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of this section, we're going to do the exact opposite of all that and be really <laughs> imprecise and really unrelatable and talk about where some of this shit's going to be in 2027. Because okay. we focus so much on the precise, immediate, relatable, I wanted to finally talk about some of the bigger picture, a few years ahead stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And also because we have promised to talk about things like DAOs and social tokens and not really got around to it too much. Yep. So... Um, Hopefully, uh, hello presenter Sam, hopefully editor Sam can flash something on the screen at this point. Um, this lead tweet from RAC, who's one of the best known artists, musicians in the Web3 disco cryptoverse. 
and he's just posted some really interesting precise data, his equivalent of Spotify data almost, um, on some success he's had with some of his music in the Web3 crypto discoverse, and in particular comparing it to how many people he'd have to what need engage in his music in the, I was going to say the conventional world of Spotify, because I guess Spotify is now conventional. Mm -hmm. It's still hardwired that it's kind of new and cutting edge, but actually no. Um, and there are stats there that you can learn from, be inspired by, or get annoyed by, depending on whether you're in a half full, half empty <laughs> uh, frame of mind, which basically says something along the lines of 30, I think it was 36 people buying some of my music in the crypto world has generated the same amount of revenue as 1.4 million listening on Spotify. Um, oh, those are actually cor correct those numbers precisely 36 people versus 1.4 then there's a few more he's got a stat where he's somehow asserts uh, that a hun that sounds like I don't believe him um, it's just more <laughs> so mind-blowing the numbers involved so RSC nothing but love man um, where he says 136 people interacting with his music in crypto land has generated the same amount of money for him as 9.1 million listens on Spotify. So it's worth checking out RAC uh, from this week, the week uh, commencing, it's the middle of April time. Um, have a look at RAC's Twitter and he shared very openly and precisely some really interesting stats on some of the uh, money that he's generating to help his dream of being a full-time musician for his whole life um, via crypto stuff. So precise and immediate, hands up, it's not as relatable as when we've had examples before from people who only got 500 followers on Twitter. So I do want to acknowledge that. But as well, um, as said, it, you know, it's, it's worth saying RAC is a big artist in terms of like he is like a tour the world type artist, got some quite impressive stream numbers, etc. But he's also not a Dua Lipa level artist. Like he's not that I mean, No, he's no Aenea. Yeah, but that's my point. It's like, you're, I, I just want to make clear no. to the listener, if the listener doesn't know who he is, we're not talking about some number one pop star here. Yeah, we are talking well, about someone that's been doing it for 10, 15 over, years. I was trying to under-promise and over-deliver, and you just, you, just, you just ruined that now, Sam. Sorry, Han. Ruined, ruined my master plan. Um, <laughs> it, 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 his, his success as an artist is almost, again, half or half empty, because you could. Mm. there's an argument that he's huge, because you can mention the fact that he's, could be in the top 10 artists for generating money from crypto. He's won, he's yeah. won one of those, what they call that little thing, uh, oh, a Grammy, but can probably walk down the high street of pretty much anywhere in the world. I mean, most importantly, Mark, the measure of success. Hockley? He only has 40,000 Instagram followers right now. And that's okay. after all. There this. you go. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So. And, and when we, I thought we we did this several months ago, where we compared artists who were starting mm. to make some decent numbers um, from the crypto world with Nottingham local did, Nottingham yeah. artists and what their yeah, their yeah. monthly listeners um, uh, were. I'm yeah. trying to do this in real time. Ironically, <laughs> RAC is not coming up on Spotify. So, uh, <laughs> do you want to guess on RAC's monthly listeners on Spotify now? So this is now when he's got all this additional profile that he's built. Oh, my gut is saying it's still still low. I want to say one mil. No, it's better than that. It's four million, 4.3 million. Okay, but let's be precise here because 
4.3 million young, 4.3 million monthly listeners on Spotify. Uh-huh. Yeah, but this is my point. That might be a bit of a fake, hypey figure because RAC is best known for being an artist who remixes their artists. Now, the way I... I can't remember this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure if the remixes he has created, let's say for an artist like Dua Lipa, I don't think he's actually done one for Dua Lipa, but he's done massive artists like that. He has been the official remixer for that and will be on platforms mm. like Spotify. Those listens obviously count as his listens. So in terms of songs, he has actually just created just his songs. There is a chance his monthly listeners on those might be. Yeah, but he's a producer, so his, re he re his remixes will be game-changingly different pieces of music. Yeah, I'm, I'm not disputing not, they're that. Not I'm, I'm not disputing but... the musical quality of them. I'm just saying... If not on remixes you listen to, where they've just put a bit of extra hi-hat on and then called it a remix. It's basically the same the, song. No, no, no. But part of the point that I'm making is we're, we're trying to almost point out that he, he is more relatable than a massive, massive artist. You're sharing this very this yeah. literally accurate stat of 4 million. I'm just trying to make the point of I think that might be quite a few, potentially a million of those monthly listeners might be because of the remixes meaning that if he didn't do remixes he actually yeah. only just released his own tunes he might be if the producer player. and remixer didn't do remixes yeah but we're, the we're point, trying to the point, the point you're saying is that his number would be lower if it was only exclusively his own production the point i'm saying is that when you're a dj producer and remixer making remixes is an intrinsic part of your creating process and so to yeah. discount it i would argue is somewhere between unfair and just a bit weird. Yeah. So think uh, of a classic big name British artist, I don't know, Fatboy Slim. You know, his yeah, numbers yeah. will be strong whichever way. But like, oh, let's take away all the Fatboy Slim remixes. <laughs> like, that's what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that, I get that. So that's the point we're having a, 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 a playful debate on. So that was the precise, immediate, relatable-ish example. So the main thing we wanted to speak about this week in the NFT Bitcoin Web3 Discoverse yeah. um, was a hint at what's coming in 2027. So when, when we're chatting to musicians in the Vega smoking area or wherever it is after a gig, yeah. I, I, my personal experience is two extremes. They're the ones who want, I just want to know what I can do with it now. What can I do with it now? What can yeah, I do with yeah. it tomorrow? And then yeah. the others are like, so where is this going? You know, is this something that's going to literally change my chances of making a living for my whole life? Because as we get emphasized, if you're, if, you're not, if you're 19, if you're 22, you know, you've got 60 or 70 years ahead of, of, yeah. of earning a living being a musician. It's mind-blowing when you think about it in that sense. Like if you minus 60 or 70 years from now, for example, <laughs> you know, imagine telling the Beatles in 1962, <laughs> even about CDs let alone yeah, Napster yeah, yeah. and iTunes and yeah, Spotify. Yeah. So in some ways, it's the equivalent now. now. How are we going to be listening to music in 2062, is it, for, for example? It's probably just going to be beamed wirelessly straight into our heads oh. via a microchip that Bill Gates controls after he... Anyway. Um, <laughs> hello, anti-vaxxers. Um, so the two bigger picture things we want to talk about, we, we've often talked about this overview of the big four areas, um, the digital merch, the digital ownership, the digital communities, the digital payments. We've then gone into some of the specifics. Uh, NFTs is probably the thing we've spoken about a lot uh, the most. We've spoken, spoken about precise projects like Audius and Royal and what they're doing for streaming in, in, in this area and the future 
quite possibly contains a crazy world where you can decide what you get paid per stream and on all that kind of malarkey. Mm -hmm. Two things we've mentioned a couple of times are social tokens and DAOs. And so we wanted to talk about them a little bit today because we have a feeling that social tokens <laughs> plus DAO equals the 21st century musicians fan club. Yeah. For example. So can we get an overview of each of those things? I thought maybe what we might do is um, I, I Googled what Google said as a definition for these things. Okay, uh, cool. Like we, we might throw out a sort of slightly more playful, slightly more <laughs> easy to get your head around, slightly more musician orientated yeah. um, definition. So what is a social token and, and why is it going to be relevant to musicians? Well, if you Google it, or when I Googled it, I got a social token is a type of cryptocurrency used to monetize a brand. They can be personal or community tokens. The value of a social token revolves around the brand issuing it and are used by holders as a way to feel belonging to a certain group. That's Google. I know the word brand makes some of you want to vomit as much as the word monetize. I think you could see it as basically Tesco club card points for a cause you believe in. And so in a musical context, that's going to be Tesco Club for your favorite band, your favorite artist, your favorite MC, with the cheeky little bonus that they might actually go up in value. That also means mm. they could go down. So imagine if your Tesco <laughs> Club car points could buy you merch for your favorite artist. And if that artist got even more successful than when you started following them, those Tesco Club points for your favorite artists might go up in value. So cool. a little bit of an overview of, of social tokens. Now we said social tokens plus DAOs equals fan clubs. So what does Google, mm -hmm. what does, what does Google say a DAO is? Well, yep. Sam, Google says a DAO stands for decentralized autonomous organization. Oh, I'm pretty sure I saw them in Rock City once. Uh, which is a fancy term for a group of people who agree to abide by certain rules for a common purpose. Those rules are written into the code of the organization via smart contracts, algorithms, algorithms that run when certain criteria are met. I would say you could simplify that into internet communities with their own bank account that you can influence. Cool. If you wanted a more practical, anyone who's been to university you remember the, the rugby club or the stamp collecting club or the chess club or the ultimate frisbee club or the Harry Potter club. It's like they're little communities like that, but online and like those communities at uni, everyone has a say and there's a little bank account, which is quite exciting. And you all get to vote on how the money's, how the money's spent. So you can probably jump quite quickly to see how musicians could run fan clubs via these things. And when you fuse the two together, because, a very high percentage of DAOs have a social token. It's used yep. as a way of kind of counting votes, exercising votes, and if wanted to create this financial incentive. And financial incentive yep. doesn't just mean like some evil Jeff Bezos type character making lots of money. The financial incentive can be, and when we make this money, it goes to a children's hospital. <laughs> yep. For example, you choose the cause yep. for, um, uh, Causes are a bit are a big. The Google definition of DAO said the phrase "common purpose," 
So that common purpose can be for profit or be completely charitable. It can be a fusion in the middle using the power of the profit motive for a good cause. That's probably getting a, a little bit off, uh, <laughs> off on yeah. here. But we promised to talk to musicians a little bit about social tokens and DAOs, why they're going to be potentially going to be very relevant to them yep. this decade. Yeah, probably not in the next couple of years, but in 2026 right. and 2027, are we going to see a lot of musicians embracing the power to be in control, which decentralized these decentralized technologies, the power to interact with your fans without Mark Zuckerberg getting in the way, without mm -hmm. a big record label getting in the way. And if you choose to, the potential to, you choose your word, incentivize and or share in the success with your artists. Mm -hmm. So yes, in, in five, 10 years time, we will still have artists on major labels. In fact, major labels may end up being the best users of this technology. Yeah. Zuckerberg is probably still gonna be important. Even if everyone has left Facebook, you still got WhatsApp and, and Instagram. Yeah. But the combination of yeah. social tokens create the opportunity for you to create this all singing, all dancing fan club where you do your streaming, where you do your communicating, where you do your interacting, and it's completely decentralized. There are no third parties getting in the way, whether that's Spotify, Facebook, or your record label. And mm -hmm. you and your fans can unlock I don't want to use the I hate the word I hate the strong the value that they see in your music and the joy or the inspiration it brings them and which currently the 21st century has failed to recognize uh, yeah. from music technologists to philosophers of the 21st century has failed culture, arguably, but particularly musicians. Musicians yeah. create incredible value for their fellow humans, and COVID really, really highlighted that. They make, <laughs> yeah. they make us fall in love or remind us of when we love, that make us cry, that make us laugh. And since Napster came along, there's been this downward journey of failing to recognize the value of music. There is very, yeah. as you, we hinted earlier, controversial debates about whether Spotify has helped or hindered, which you could say largely comes down to whether you see Spotify as additional revenue or replacement revenue and therefore not replacing enough. Correct. This technology represents the opportunity for musicians to once again have their value recognized in two key ways. One, it's going to unlock more value. Mm -hmm. And two, it's going to give you more opportunity to cut out third parties who are taking a percentage. Mm -hmm. Using Spotify again as an example, one of the reasons that Spotify has had so much vitriol is some might say the amount that actually is generated by Spotify okay the problem is yeah. 
how much actually flows to the musician, particularly if you're in a band and there's several of you. The label take their cut and then it's shared between three or four people. So getting rid of those intermediaries, whether it's Zuckerberg, Spotify, um, or and increasing the amount, as our RAC example shows, by that journey from a thousand fans to a hundred fans, mm-hmm. have a game-changing impact on the ability to make a living from music, allowing artists who are already just about making a living from music to make a comfortable living, going from a minimum or living wage level to a yeah, this is pretty good. I can go on holiday this year. I'll take this. <laughs> and uh, it's classically called the long tail in economics allow a significantly a significantly higher percentage of artists to get to that making or become a double whammy of unlocking more of the value of your music and requiring less third party to take a hefty yeah cool and <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it, I think what one of the. Um, I'm sure we'd try and summarize. One of the one. I'm not sure I could do no, that. No, it's, it's a good summary. Second. I mean, one of, one of the one liners you use, which I think is just really a really useful way of kind of expressing why your average musician should pay attention is this technology helps bring back values music. You know, as you said, like one of the main reasons people shit on places like Spotify is they feel like they've taken the value away from music. They don't recognize the value of music, in some people's opinion. Whereas so much of this technology is literally about putting the power back to the musician or the artist or the creator. And I think that's, I mean, that's almost the one liner. You're right. There's so much nerdy terms and scary concepts around this, but ultimately getting paid properly for the art that you create is something that this technology will allow you to do. And I think that's really exciting. Yeah. If you're trying to think, ah, there are so many potential one liners, uh, lurking in this world but I, I, yeah i'm just gonna repeat myself unlocking the value and reducing the need yeah. for third parties who take a, a significant percentage of that value <laughs> yeah um cool is that it or do you want me to try and summarize i think you've done some pretty good summaries in there I'm really okay with that. i wonder if i cool. could do a 60 uh, well, thank you for the summary, darling. Hopefully there's, uh, at the very least, there's quite a few interesting things, I think, for people listening to Google, if nothing else, and uh, potentially learn a bit more about. And also, as you've shared, like, the insights in the tweet we've put up on screen, like, RAC is someone to follow on Twitter and, like, read the past few months of his tw- Twitter feed because he's really good at trying to educate other musicians on this kind of thing and sharing some of the new interesting platforms and what other artists are doing. Stuff. So I think that's... It's potentially a good shout if I'll put his Twitter name up on screen. Um, cool. Oh, go for it, Marky boy. Can I end with the most stunning insight stroke revelation of all? Whoa, what's that? I think you were starting to wrap up the code for end the uh-huh. show, which means we uh-huh. are about uh-huh. a no music podcast and you have not mentioned TikTok once. Whoa. I mean, half point, because we did talk about reels, but, you know, I'm a recovering addict, so we're... we're I genuinely don't think you said the word TikTok once. No, I don't think I did. I I think you're right. I don't think I did. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of the world. 
There's there's bigger things happening in the world, Mark, than a bit of a bit of TikTok loving. Although, stay tuned for the next episode, kids, because there will be plenty of TikTok goodness. I should help my own. Anyways, that's dedication to the show. See what we do for you guys and the No Music Podcast. Right, really great ending. Thanks, boys and girls. Hope you enjoyed. <laughs> lined well, up for uh, one of your boom I mean, outside of three hours, getting antsy. Is this over yet? There'll be plenty of links. No. Is this over yet? <laughs> I still said the links in bio. Not finished yet. Check the description whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to any favorite podcast app because there will be quite a lot of links this week from all of the Spotify stuff we talked about through to the Instagram Creator Hub we talked about. We'll link RSC's Twitter, a few other uh, Web3 friendly bits in there as well. So if you have been interested by any of the things we talked about, there's plenty of fun bits to get your teeth into. But other than that, I think we're done, Mark. You can finally go outside your little hermit and uh, have a wonderful week, month, Thanks, Spring. Ooh. Sorry, man. Bye. <laughs>